Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of the Simply Sport Content Podcast. Um, I'm delighted with all all the um, all the messages I've been getting on how well I'm doing, and I'm delighted to keep going with it. Uh, so this week, um, I'm really delighted to have my friend here, uh, Gemma McGuinness. For those who don't know Gemma, Gemma is a former international with Ireland. She played for Derry City, and she played in the uh, World University Games. At the moment, she just graduated with a master's in nutrition and she's currently in Vietnam with me and we've been playing Gaelic and soccer and doing all the crack. She's been my nutritionist for my triathlon, so thanks for coming on. Yeah, No problem. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Sure. And um, yeah, nearly the first question is actually, because um, I remember we were having a chat to me one day about you were in um, Vera Pau's uh, team just before coming out. You were training with the Ireland team and... What was that kind of situation about? Was it kind of you were just in a trial situation there? She was having it was it was just trials for that stage. Um, it didn't it was kind of at the stage where I was, I felt like I was done my career, but uh, after that, I I actually went on a stint with the Northern Ireland women's team, which is mad to think. Like, like going growing up, I was you know I was playing in the Republic from under 15s to. 17s and 19s but it kind of it was whenever I stopped playing football I stopped playing for a couple of years and then whenever I got to like my final year of university I was I was uh, contacted just by one of the coaches that were in Jordanstown and I, I didn't have any opportunity in university to play because I was in Coleraine University um, and it's part of Ulster but then they had another branch like another campus that was in Belfast so whenever he contacted me and I was kind of like, oh, look, I haven't played in a couple of years. I, I don't know if I want to get back into it, but I tried and anyway. I gave it a go. And I was like, flip, I, I'm really enjoying this. You know, the, the training was like nothing I had before. I was growing up playing in my club team. We didn't really have the kind of training that I seen that other girls were having. And I always kind of think back as I didn't feel like I was progressing as well as I could have. So, yeah, that opportunity came just from playing in the university team. And I I feel now I can step back and kind of be grateful for the university, even throughout my master's as well, because they gave me kind of another, a bit of inspiration and the energy that they provided me with. It was I, it wasn't like any of the coaches that I had before. And don't get me wrong, I grew up with, with fantastic coaches and I learned a lot from each of them, but it was just different. And I think I kind of, because I'd learned a lot from just doing previous things before and I was reading a lot, I was able to become more aware of kind of opportunities that I had. And I guess from that training, I got approached then just to, would you consider you know playing in the Northern Ireland international team? Because I kind of felt, you know, I wasn't good enough to progress in, with the, the senior women in, in Ireland. And then with the training, this, you know, when someone gave me that opportunity, I was like, like I'll give it a go, but... It's not really in my headspace at the minute to, to to kind of push for that international. It's a different kind of mental state that you have to be in to be, you know, an elite sport. Yeah. And I didn't see myself in that mind frame. So I guess, yeah, whenever um, that kind of happened, I got into the that Northern Ireland International. I went through the training stages and got onto the team and I played in the Gold City Cup, I think it's called, in Turkey. And that was kind of the end of it for me. Well, after that, we had the World University Games. And again, that came from the fact that I was playing Northern Ireland and, you know, I had that different level of training, gave me a bit more motivation to work towards, I guess, getting on a kind of international setup. And yeah. I, I left it at that then after that. So I pushed towards, you know, I had that drive to, to get better. I had something to work towards. And it was great for me in university to have that outside of my studies. So, yeah, I worked on that. And that was kind of the end of my international career, anyway, I suppose. And, you know, was it not the end of my sporting career, but definitely international. Yeah, it was the case it just fizzled out that there was no competition coming up that in that sense regard, or you just kind of put a close? Yeah, it, it was definitely that for me. Um, I have a lot of interests kind of outside playing football, even in just terms of my study and wanting to develop things in business and stuff. Football, will, for me, it will, I feel it will always be a part, it'll always be an interest in, of mine. But I think the reason I stopped playing football was kind of, I just fell out of love with it. And I always look back and see, is it, is it because I didn't have certain opportunities? You know, I was definitely lucky enough that the doors were open for me and opportunities were there. But there is some part of me that's like thinking about, oh, I was in a rural part of Ireland and I was going down to Dublin and I was watching girls that were like, oh, we've got training three times a week with our club. Yeah. And, you know, for the likes of us, um, I was playing with a great bunch of players back home. Don't get me wrong. Like, I felt lucky that I had girls that in even in my age group and above 
that I kind of looked up to and I wanted to, I was felt inspired by them, but the training aspect of things and the, the setup, it just wasn't there for me yeah. and the rest of us. Um, so I guess that kind of, I, I don't know. I don't really know the full reason of why I wanted to end, like to stop playing. But I always do think about that, like the grassroots, uh, what could have happened if I had, you know, a different training setup. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, you were just um, referring to that, especially to move into that FAI, into the FA, in a sense of women's football. And there's definitely a difference in maybe culture, in a sense, between like how they treat women's football in Ireland at, at the time, actually, between the FAI and FA. I think there has been a a build on it though in the FEI like you see now that RT are doing every game doing analysis small girl like my sister knows two girls that are playing for Ireland that play for Arsenal Man City which is something we would never have if we when we were younger if someone asked you you know who's your favorite footballer you would never be able to name a female footballer or it'd be very rare that someone would it's always you know Messi or Ronaldo or who's your favorite team you wouldn't think about saying you know Arsenal women's football team yeah, or no, even so your local your local women's team, even exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you're you're wearing a shirt that's that's got Ronaldo on the back, or um. So for young people to even think that it's it's given them opportunity, it's given them kind of the a sight beyond club football to kind of see that you know I oh the likes of Katie McCabe, she's from Ireland, or she's from my hometown in Dublin. Maybe I could do that someday. Like to have that inspiration is huge. Yeah, and um. In that like little grey period, which you stop playing football, do you feel like the like FEI and the FA maybe just put it upon themselves to fix this grassroots situation, to fix like that progression into like elite football and maybe progressing these girls into maybe America, UK, Europe, all like that? When I when I left, I felt like I was letting so many people down. Um, you know, not just my family, but I. I, I felt it's not as to say that I, I left and no one cared about me anymore. I felt very much, even my coach at the time, I think it was Dave Connell that I was with, you know, he, he was talking to my mom. I didn't even have the confidence to, to ring myself, you know, saying, you know, I'll be missed. And if I ever want to come back, just, just let him know. And I think it's a huge thing for girls in, in teenage years, you know, they kind of, kind of give up on things, you know, if there's, if the opportunity's not there, if the, if the roots aren't available, that they kind of give up on things. So in women's football to, Okay, look at the opportunities, look at your, your chances, even in, at club level, the, the Women's National League in Ireland, how that's progressed. And all these small things are going to be a huge impact for, for making, for giving women's football the, the air that it deserves. For sure. And um, as I said, you're from Donegal, and I remember a time I played national, national cups against many teams from Donegal. And um, like we, we saw these guys, we were like, oh my God, like, these are the cream of the crop. We only had one team, one like it was just us in our own league, and we'd only be training for this national league. And obviously, we knew that Donegal had a few, like at least some sort of structure up there. But in terms of Donegal, do you feel like um, there's more of an opportunity? Like, has that has your local league developed that could um, potentially get girls in? Unfortunately, like not in terms of my local club. So I would have grown up uh, playing for Greencastle. And when I was playing with them, you know, I was playing with, I don't know, Neve, do you know Neve McLaughlin? She's she's captain of Donegal. Okay, no, I don't, but no, the ladies, uh, Donegal team. So I was playing with, or I had and a few a few age groups above me. There was girls that were, they were going to Dublin, they were playing in the Ireland team, uh, or at least a, a bunch of them were, were going to trials. And then in my age group then, just a couple of years below that, we had about six of us going to Dublin to trials. So I was growing up with, you know, all these amazing players that, and we were winning games, we were winning the league, we had cup matches. But then, like what I was saying, we, we were lacking that training aspect. Like, how okay, we're a good team, but how are we going to get better if we don't have coaches? We don't have, we're not doing these technical skills. Um, and even us doing those skills of training last, or the, you had us doing a training. I was like, I didn't have this growing up. Until yeah. I went to a, a bit of a higher level, until like the likes of going to like provincials, like Ulster. And then I started to see, okay, this is what coaching is. This is what I, I need to be working on. And I could bring that home and do it myself and play with my brother or whatever. But that, that hasn't developed in my hometown yet. So, but uh, when I, Derry City have that, uh, the Northern Ireland League, 
it's like the it's like the same as the national league for Ireland, but in Northern Ireland, yeah, uh, that's come on like leaps and bounds because I suppose the exposure of the Northern Ireland women's team, you know, qualifying for the Euros and things for 2022 yeah. has been a huge impact on trying to grow that scene. But then that's that's another that's another part that's another area. Like I I would love to see if Greencastle started developing like it it's taken away an opportunity from a young girl in my primary school to even think about join like there's no team for them to join they're going to have to move further up the road so yeah it's kind of sad to see that and that the league that I actually played in is, is no longer going ahead um okay. but that was before COVID um as well so yeah the, I don't know what is it the interest or is I don't know there's still going to be parts of rural Ireland that are going to be like that it's great to see on a, a, on a bigger scale that things are developing but yeah. if we're not looking at these small areas or targeting these areas and, and getting coaches in here, you know, that's where that's where you're losing happens. out that's in the talent pool, especially as well. As you said, uh, rural areas, these are the melting pots for the GA. It's kind of like losing because if you see Donegal, like Donegal are going to be in division. They're in division one this year. They're in the senior championship. They have a pool of young girls and a lot of them would cross over obviously into soccer but like what what if basically that's the question if we brought in even a coaching structure like what they would do with the men's the goalkeeping the FEI goalkeeping coaching courses would always go on in Donegal mostly because of Shea Given and like their pool of goalkeepers you seem to bring in yeah yeah it's it's, it it makes all the difference and and I've seen it in my own game firsthand you know what happens when you're not training you're not getting these skills in even just for not even developing your game but developing uh if you've got a bit of structure you're going to train every week just developing you're making new friends your your mental health is gonna things like that yeah there definitely needs to be a, a bigger push for kind of rural areas yeah it's um well let's hope i know they have some sort of structure going in but it's just how they implement it and the, the, sure, and, yeah. and the people behind us like it's always the mothers and the fathers that have to push this like that will take on that under eight team on a saturday morning regardless if they're pulling their hair out at yeah. all of them <laughs> yeah. but they're the ones that are going to push like the next the next Kate in the Caves or Megan Connolly's yeah. or anything like that. All the rural girls. Kind of you can kind of see that, and even on social media, like on Instagram as well, that I can see. Uh, you know the girls that I would have grown up playing with, the likes of Kate and McCabe, and they're they're posting these uh, or resharing like young girls that are you know Kate and McCabe, my favorite player. You know, yeah. doing all these skills, like all these small things that the people at that level, you know, they're the ones that are going to make a big impact for the younger generation. Yeah. Like even as someone, even as ourselves, like someone that's involved, that's involved in sport and have been involved in international setup, I feel like it's my responsibility to be actively watching, you know, okay, what's the score in the Arsenal match? What's the score in the, you know, those kind of, I feel like it's my responsibility to take that on. Yeah, especially as a girl as well and being in the, in the soccer, we're still in the soccer sphere over here in Vietnam, but it's like, massive as well for Vietnam and women here because it's kind of looked down upon to be part of sport or a team sport here yeah, so you can see that there's shock when they see girls yeah the, the shock the men are nearly like tongue wagging and the girls are like what the hell's going on yeah what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> but um on a lighter note um someone um wanted to ask this question to you they wanted to ask how many uh, yellow cards or red cards have you gotten in your in your career because <laughs> you know what? i I'm, i honestly think that 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 game was my first yellow card i remember ringing my dad after and uh, my mom and dad and i tell them about the yellow cards they're like did you ever get a yellow card before and i was like i actually think that was my first i'm i'm hot-headed on on the pitch like, i know i get it's such a temper <laughs> But but I honestly think that was my first. But yeah, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> for get, Ge- Gemma was playing a little tournament. Was it? I think it was about two or three months ago. And I was coaching the younger girls team, and they were playing the women's. And we weren't playing against you, but I remember I heard some effing and blinding from my back, and I turned around, and the Vietnamese, <laughs> Vietnamese ref gave you a yellow, and you were there shocked. You're like, what? the fuck is this about like some of the decisions though to be fair I had my reasons <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but it was funny enough and then you did you get red, you got red carded or was it just a yellow got a red card at the end yeah you he I can't remember was it for the 
He gave me a handball. He said it was intentional. Really going the box, yeah. You weren't, you weren't even defending. You're actually going. You're you're attacking that goal, and you just. And I, I think it was it. You must have hit it with your hand I don't, or something. I don't even think. I don't even think the red card for that was because I kicked the ball away after, and <laughs> and I remember kicking the ball away, and I was like, all all I could think about is like, what? Why? Why did you do that? Like, there's. See, I, I'm trying to chat. I'm trying to become more aware of these kind of things on the pitch. It's like, why do you have to be so like? <laughs> where's this anger coming from? But then um, <laughs> passion, you know. <laughs> A passion, yeah. That that must be your be your new because I've seen on your Instagram you're you're doing trying to try a new career in yoga and mindfulness. <laughs> Might be straight yeah, towards just, that. I'm just trying to pair it all with the nutrition because my my views on nutrition are very much like um, a whole lifestyle approach because for long term for long term success in in having a healthy diet, it's not just you know someone handing you a meal plan that it's completely useless. You know, yeah. it's what are you doing in your daily routine that that are going to influence your food choices? And for me, that's kind of just the message that I'm trying to deliver is like, OK, what are you doing when you wake up in the morning? Uh, do you have your kind of non-negotiables that are huge factors for just making the right food choices? You know, if you've got certain things in place, it's going to be so much easier for you to choose. Um, OK, the uh, getting more veg in and, and more nutritious foods over those kind of highly processed or getting a takeaway. It's it's yeah. your your daily kind of habits. things that have that impact, yeah. Your habits, yeah. It's, it's such a prominent thing on social media and the websites, and I feel like anyone that does, they don't know what to believe anymore. In a sense, like it's you obviously have your go-to people you're going to follow on Instagram, and you take that as gospel. But then you turn around, and then there's another person who's obviously either rivaling or doesn't believe in what they're saying is going to counteract that argument, and you're just ending up in just a ball of information that you don't know what to do with. I mean, I mean, it's understandable that the people are confused. You know, if you like, look, if you think about food, you know, everybody has a relationship with food. You know, other careers where people have their specialities and. I go to that person because they know about it. But when it comes to food, it's like everybody's got some kind of um, connection with it. Everybody eats food. So everybody's going to have an opinion on on food. They're going to, okay, this worked for me. So this is probably going to work for you. And it's that kind of um, thinking that is confusing everybody because there's just so much noise out there. There's so many opinions and I understand why people are confused. So I guess it's, it's important that people are following the, the right the right noise I suppose and how do you propose people do that as in yeah I tried to do it myself as in get a good base of nutritional knowledge but then you're you're going into a rabbit hole or reading these scientific research and it's kind of like the jargon is too too difficult for like a normal everyday um, active person to keep put into their own life choices um so the main thing is kind of if you're if you're reading the science scientific literature literature which not a lot of people are doing that that's great you you, you can follow that information and it, it's going to be difficult if you're not used to reading um science and pulling things out but the, the kind of things that you want to avoid are people that are delivering a message that you're going to get fast results from doing x y or z you're going to if you take this supplement you're going to get these results um if it's anything that's going to be a quick fix or a fad diet or are the kind of things you want to stay clear from but most people don't need specific nutrition you know most the the problem is so often not that you're not getting uh, 80 grams of carbs instead of you know 90 grams of carbs it's not these specific things that the problem where the problem lies it's you know people's attitude towards food people's relationship with food and that just comes with trying to build a bit more awareness you want to kind of bring it back to the basics and I say this all the time even when I started posting on Instagram or anybody that I have a conversation with and it's a message that's so hard to deliver because it's so simple and people don't want to hear that so like bringing things back to the basics. Okay, look at your, are you getting enough? Are you getting your five a day? Even, you know, people are saying now that, that uh, it's between it five and 10 a day. Uh, yeah, yeah seven to 10, like it's increased now, but it's increased to, again, to kind of push people to, if you're not achieving five, if you're not achieving seven, okay, you might be a bit below that, but you're getting at least five. You know, if you're not getting any, starting with one piece of fruit or veg a day is going to be a start. Don't, you don't need to jump to what is classed as optimal. Yeah. You just need to start with something, start with the basics. And like, there's people that would come to me and, and look for, they would send me on a supplement and like, what do you think of this? 
And yeah, I'll give I'll give the advice. I'll give a, 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 in terms of what the literature says, and I'll, I'll research it or whatever, and see the benefits. But all that's in my head is like, uh, what what is your foundation nutrition look like right now? What is your your what are you eating? Are you getting regular meals? Are you hitting your protein target? Are you getting some form of carbs? Are you exercising? It's getting back to these these basics that that it's really difficult message to deliver because it doesn't usually sell it's not really what people want it's what people need but it's not what people want to hear and like for me it's trying to inspire people to set up an environment that again like I said to make better food choices and that comes from being more mindful because especially within females and even with female athletes this kind of there's a lot of female athletes and females in general that are struggling with the relationship with food. This whole idea of dichotomous thinking is like black and white thinking, whether foods are good or bad. And a lot of even males as well, not just not just restricted to females, but yeah, yeah this this guilt around food that is where the problem lies for a lot. It's this kind of it's this kind of like if you don't have your habits in, in place, you don't have routines set up, you're gonna start to run back to okay, this food's not not good. Like and you'll you'll feel bad about eating it and you'll you'll it'll it's kind of like a domino effect then on the rest of the day. Okay, I, d- I didn't really eat good there for lunch. So what's the point in having a, a better meal here at dinner? Yeah. And I've gone I know firsthand I know from the literature that the prevalence is rate is high for for disordered eating and I know firsthand because I've gone through that kind of you know disordered eating and and viewing food as only what it's going to affect on how I look no I used to go through eating as okay I I wanted uh, to be lean I wanted to appear a certain way so I viewed food as that being the only way that that's gonna I'm gonna achieve that that's all food was to me and it was never a thought of like oh I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna really enjoy this meal um, mm-hmm. or I'm going to go out with my friends and, and I'm not going to worry about calories. I'm not going to think about, oh God, I, I shouldn't eat this. Or if I want a dessert, I'm going to have a dessert. And it's kind of instilling that mindset into to others. That's what's going to be the whole, the main change, the, the lasting change, I suppose. You know, if you follow a meal plan for six weeks, you drop a bit of weight, you, you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking good. But what's what's at the end of that journey? What have you learned? What are you going to bring on? You know, you you stop the, the six week plan. Are you going to keep going with healthy eating behaviors? Like, have you yeah. developed these within your plan? And like, you don't need a nutrition plan to make better choices. You just need to take a step back and start focusing on small behavior changes throughout the day, consistently over weeks, and that's going to make the biggest impact. Yeah, because um, it's definitely true. Because I remember when I was in uni, I was uh, living with two girls playing intercounty. Like we were all on the uni team together, and I was going through this phase of, you know, like food is fuel, and basically that that black and white idea of this is good, this is bad. And I remember the two girls like they were happy out eating like Kit Kats and whatever, like eating the like the good stuff like that you would necessarily think as uh, bad for your body or bad for performance but they were munching them away and like eating like a re- like a regular girl but then then they go out in the football field and they'll perform so it's kind of it's definitely maybe for that age group as well and o- other girls as well it's definitely prominent in like when you look, watch the olympics now in tokyo there could be female athletes there that are starving like absolutely starving themselves and will just do that bulk or whatever you want to call it <laughs> to get those results then at the end i would like to think at that level you know they've got some kind of um professional in helping them you know i I do see it now definitely in professional women's football and at that elite level there is a lot of um they've got the right people in putting the uh, implementing things in place but even when you go to that top level unless you've got the foundation you've got the basics in place you can't start looking at specific nutrition until you've got that that grounding and it's the same again for just anyone who's into sport, any kind of general person looking to lose weight. It comes down to the basics. And I, can't, I really can't highlight it enough because so many people are looking for this quick fix, this this answer to that they're not going to get the result, results from, not lasting results anyway. You can definitely, you can reduce your calories for a number of weeks and, and look well, but are you going to feel well at the end of it? Sure. Yeah, exactly. More than like, yeah, because I friends with a guy and he usually he but around now maybe like two months ago he'd be starting his cut now just for the summer holidays next month like and 
he'll be a grumpy bastard for fucking yeah. three months. Yeah. Like, as in, people, be, yeah, people don't miserable. want to be around you. Yeah, I've absolutely miserable. And then it's just for that, those fucking Instagram photos, like, like it's exactly, just, yeah. it's a toxic environment. Like, even though, like, we know for a fact that it's affecting our mental health, it's affecting our eating, it's affecting everything in our life, but we still go into the rabbit hole. We still plunge it's, it's ourselves difficult. into it. And that's and that's why the message is so hard to get across that because when obviously when someone comes to talk to me, they're going to like expect me to just give them specific foods. But all I can think about is like you need so many other things in place so that I know that this is actually making an impact. Are you sleeping well? Like your sleep is such a huge impact on the the, your choices the next day and especially with food. And the research is out there to show that. That, you know, people lack lack in sleep, they tend to have a higher calorie intake throughout the day and the rest of the week. And that's seen even just within two to three days of not sleeping well within that week. So it's got a huge impact. And even the, the amount of research that's out on sleep right now, people still don't know, like scientists still don't know enough about it but it's got a huge impact on on our nutritional choices in fairness it's definitely true because um it's it's where our recovery happened especially when you put it in terms of a performing athlete this is where you usually perform and going back to this supplement like obviously there are supplements are used for something but there's always like use like greek yogurt or casein because casein is what uh like provides um, nutrients to the muscles to recover and it works its magic during the night while you sleep so it's um yeah sleep yep. is definitely important definitely and then just even mentioning supplements as well they've got their place and especially within elite sport and elite athletes because that's when you start to look at kind of okay how can i bring my performance up to a, a couple of percent you know where it matters but for the general person walking around, you, you don't need to be you know, like creatine for, yeah, creatine's a, a great for even just a, the general gym goer if you're looking to increase your, your strength or your speed. Um, but when it comes to taking a load of supplements, even fat burners and things like this that I'm seeing, people thinking that it's, it's this is what they need. No, it's not, it's not what you need. It's, you know, you need to get the basics in place. It's definitely as well in performance. Um, I was chatting just to my housemate there about like even medication. I don't know because there is a there's cases of people and they feel like they can't perform unless they have that they drop that few ibuprofen before the game or handle. They might not be even in pain, but it's like they feel like this is a beneficial a cause for effects in some sports like around the world that these people just like kind of willy nilly just take these. Um, like painkillers in a sense or something else so so i guess that comes from kind of that placebo effect or you know it might sometimes when we take things and you believe that it's going to do something you know it has that effect because you're telling your mind that it's going to work but unless it's been researched and unless the evidence has been produced you, you can't take i can't give the advice of yeah do you know what? Go ahead and try that. But what it really comes down to is getting to to individualize any type of nutritional plan is getting the athlete or the, the person to journal and document how they feel. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you feel when you wake up? Or do you feel energized in the morning? You know, some people they, they like to train, you know, light. And for some people they might need a bigger meal. So I can't just go and tell one person you need to eat X, Y, and Z before a training session. Because that person might not feel good. I know personally, I don't feel good eating a, a, a heavy meal before, even two hours before a, a match. I still feel it. I don't feel good. So you kind of have to take a step back and, and document how you feel to make it personal. It can't just be, you know, it's trial and error through, and it's not just going to be one plan for one week. You know, it's going to be, okay, this is a new week. I've to, This week I've got three training sessions. So I'm going to have to eat a bit more. You know, I don't have a match on Saturday, so I don't need to eat that many carbs. It's it's trying to find these these um, these small things and, and document them and allowing yourself to, to begin to understand your individual needs. And it's the only way that a, a nutritional plan can be specified is through understanding of your own body. Mm-hmm. And do you journal yourself? I do. I do, yeah. Um, for Like for me... I've been doing it for so long that I know what, if I eat something, how I'm going to feel 
generally. And if I do eat something like, oh, do you know what? I don't feel that. I don't feel that good. I've because I've been doing it for so long. I've got that awareness, and maybe I'll, I'll fast for a short period of time so that I can get myself back to all right. Now I'm going to have a bit of protein and, and some veg because I haven't eaten. Uh, I haven't hydrated. I haven't eaten my full uh, veg this day. Where can I kind of get some more in, or where can I improve on that for tomorrow or for next week? So it's just, yeah, it's it's not trying to be perfect. It's trying to get better. It's trying to understand yourself more, your needs, because no one can tell you that. And you can't get that from looking on online or, or tell your friends saying what they've done because yeah. it's going to be completely different for yourself. Yeah, because your body works, your hormonal balances are all different. Uh, everyone your else. mindset as well. Your, your yeah. mindset is huge when it comes to, because for some people, you know, some people who don't have any kind of disordered eating, you can get specific with them. You can start to kind of talk at a, at a higher level when it comes to like, oh, right, you maybe you should try and add in beta alanine or getting more a bit more specific. But if you're talking with someone who has grown up and, you know, maybe they've grown up in a household where they didn't get balanced meals from that age, their mindset is not the same as someone who you know, their mom, their, their mom cooked the meals three, four times a day and they had veg at every one of them. It's going to be completely different. So your, your upbringing, your even going to university, your different experiences, playing sports, the people, coaches that influence you, everyone's had a different path and everyone's going to have a different uh, story to tell and a different attitude towards food. And you need to get down to that, that kind of foundation. Yeah. And the journaling, as you said, would you think, um, just in terms of what I've done nutrition-wise is my fitness pal on your phone. I feel like, yes, it's a brilliant idea, but then in the other sense, people can get so obsessive about it. As in, we're not we're going basic, like they're they're given like you're putting every basic piece of food one by one putting in. But then it depending as as you said, on the person, this person could take it, take it's it for too real. Far, yeah. And I have to, I've been there myself as well. So I don't know if I told you this before, but uh, so I, when I stopped playing football, I got into like fitness mm-hmm. um, and I, I competed in a few shows. And I feel like this is what where it started to develop for me personally, like with this whole disordered eating and this view of food that either good or bad or this guilt and, and not being able to look at food and anything other than how it's going to affect my composition. And it's that industry alone is, I look at it now and I think it's, it's absolutely crazy to me. But when I was in it, I got obsessive and, and I was putting everything into my fitness pal. And at the start, it was beneficial because, you know, I start, okay, I, I know how many calories are in certain foods and it helped me. And it can be a huge educator for some people. But then, of course, there is that kind of personality that would take it too far and believe that if they're not, if they've gone over by 100 calories that day, you know, how is that affecting their sleep that night? You know, it's just going to have that kind of knock-on effect of creating this whole disordered eating. So there is that element of, yes, it's important to educate yourself on, be a bit more conscious about how many calories you're consuming because you do kind of want to know, uh, but to take it to that other level is, it is going to be a problem down the line. And it's kind of something I'd steer clear from is I, w- I wouldn't, t- I would try to encourage someone to be aware of what their intake is, if needs be, you know, if it's something that needs to drop a, a little bit of body fat, yes, becoming aware is important, but I would never tell someone you need to rigidly, because it, it's, it's not even correct at the end of the day, even in nutritional science and, and studies, you always have this element of error and whether it's, it's personal bias or whether it's even from the software itself, and even the food packaging isn't going to be the exact calories. So that's three levels of error that we've seen already. That so could be the difference you, between five or 600 calories it, in the day. Exactly. And for you to go away and believe that oh, I'm 120 calories over, like, no, you probably are not. But you need, you need to kind of get away from this type of thinking and think the recommendations that I, I try to give people is, of course, this domino effect of having, you know, your, your sleep in place and you're drinking enough water and things like that first. But then when it comes to actual food is, are you getting a certain amount of protein at each meal? Or do you have veg on that plate and maybe some sort of carbs? Okay. And then there's this whole like carb periodization. And, and essentially that's just, okay, eating a bit more carbs before a match or before training and then getting some after. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to get really specific. You just need to really think about what you're doing every day and what you're doing in each meal. Are you aware? How do you feel after that meal? 
and then maybe document that. And that's how that's what's going to win the game for anybody. That's what's going to give lasting results. Yeah. And just coming back to um, you competing and it's it's an interesting um, environment or world in a sense. No one understands completely like the buzz you would get on when you're on stage. But then it's kind of this not depression in a sense, but like a like a lack of of like euphoria then once it kind of that week after the event you probably obviously you're going to eat your calories again after a week and then that's going to create body dysmorphia and other issues with food and all that but did it take you a long time to regularize your 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 relationship with your body and food yeah, it, it definitely did you know I, I always had an interest in, in nutrition and for, even from primary school, you know, I, I would have made my own lunch and I would have like asked my mom to pack specific things like give me some fruit. So I, and then I started to see that the, I know, I know, but then I, the interest came from, cause I knew the benefits that it had on my performance and even how, like from primary school into secondary school, I, I was always kind of conscious and I would have had a decent relationship with food from a young age but then when I got into that kind of fitness industry going into the gym that's when it kind of changed for me because I wasn't looking at food as how it's going to fuel my performance I was looking at it as how I'm going to look yeah that's when the kind of it got a bit obsessive um, even going to the gym was a bit obsessive and that's kind of when it spiraled and then I guess when I got out of it I took a step back and I was still I was still in uni at the time and even when I started to get into football again that's what kind of helped me but I still had that mindset of I was looking at other athletes and, and the, oh this is what I want to look at so I, I still had that instilled in my behavior just from my experiences and what I believed what I should be doing and I was studying nutrition at the time as well so I was learning I was going I was doing health psychology and no, but it just wasn't enough to, I had to go through that experience for me to really learn rather than just what I was reading. Yeah. Um, so it took a long time, definitely. But I honestly feel what's helped me the most is this whole movement towards uh, mental health and, and mindfulness. You know, I'm consistent in my meditation and I'm consistent in my yoga, I'm consistent in my reading because I know what it feels like when I don't do that for one or two days. I feel uh, even my confidence in myself decreases if I'm not, I don't have these non-negotiables in place. So that for me has been a huge driver in improving my relationship with food. And that's kind of, again, that message that I want to give to other people is that it's not, I, I just to avoid this whole black and white and you need all these specific things. You don't, you just need to kind of bring it back to the basics. I've said that so many times, but I can't say <laughs> it, enough, I guess. <laughs> That's your, going to be your caption for your new website. Anyway. Yeah, I, I always say basics before, before specifics. Yeah, before specifics. Well, yeah, when um, in terms of like, obviously everyone has their own story behind how they found mindfulness and yoga and everything like that. And obviously it's become a huge trend because of COVID and whatnot. People have, they're basically stuck with their own thoughts and they're like, holy shit, I don't, I don't like what I'm thinking here. How do I get the thoughts out of my head for a while? Yeah, um, it's, it's great to see that it's definitely been, it's more um, put out there now than it was maybe years ago. You know, I don't remember ever seeing it in, when I was in school, but definitely when I was towards the end of uni, I started to, that's kind of when my journey started. And I noticed a difference. I think it was in my final year when I was, I was playing football and the kind of group that I was spending time with would have been into the same things like a oh, have you read this book? And I think the first one I kind of ever read was The Power of Now. And that really helped me have a kind of different outlook on my decisions. And that, do you know what? I, I actually do have the power to, because I, I wouldn't have been that confident growing up in certain things, yeah. Um, but I would have been football. a shy kid. I would have been a shy kid growing up. Even in football, I, there's days I would have felt great. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to play great today. And then I come off the pitch and that would affect me for days if I had, you know, I didn't play well. And then whenever I started to read a bit more and listen to some like certain podcasts, I started to kind of become more aware of my my thoughts. And I was able to kind of see like, you know, why do I, where is this lack of confidence coming from? And why do I not feel confident in myself? And even just to start to question my behaviors, my thoughts helped me so much. And then I guess that journey just 
because I seen, I started to see some results in my mindset, that journey just like continued. And like, it's by no means do I feel, you know, great all the time, but I know the importance of having this, these certain things in place on my mindset. I know that the lack of confidence I would feel if I did skip a couple of days. Um, and it's not to say it's very easy to do that. You come home from a day of work and the last thing you want to do is, you know, sometimes roll at the yoga mat or, or read a couple of pages, but then that's, I become aware that, okay, I'm, a, I'm more of a morning person. So I'll get up that extra hour early to, to get those things done. It's just finding, you know, it's, it comes from again, understanding and these, having these things in place are going to, you know, for me have really helped. And hopefully for other people, like they can't find that time to get those, to, to realize how important it is. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something that's helped myself as well. And it's helped loads of other people with the anxiety and depression that comes along, comes hand in hand with them. I guess the whole COVID's not going to, hasn't helped things at all. Yeah, no. And, um, but at the same time, COVID brings out new ideas, brings out new challenges, yeah, brings yeah. out everything. And one of them was your, obviously, I know your Instagram page is all very new. And you were telling me last night about your plans for the website, sorry. Yeah, so I've, I've got loads of ideas. Um, and again, I, I've had them for so long. So and I think when I finished my master, I only finished it there last week. I handed in my assignment and it was this huge relief. And now I, now I was like, oh my God, I feel so free. I can go on the piss now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I haven't been out in so long. Uh, I know you haven't. We'll have to I, need to, get a, I get a, need to get a night out with you soon. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We'll be in a flipping ditch somewhere by the end of it. I haven't been out that much either. So. <laughs> yeah, yes, you've been flat out training with your triathlon. Yeah. Well, I suppose you didn't get to really. But you still did it, didn't you? Yeah, I'm doing it again on Sunday. But um... Oh, right. I'm doing eight of them for eight weeks. Wow, fair play. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm, I was supposed to put it on my board, my organization board to advertise it because I'm raising money for Simon Community. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. like, I was like, I was supposed to do it today, but then I had about 10 million other things in my brain. And then I decided to go for a nap instead of doing the 10 million other things in my brain. I need that. <laughs> I know I did need that. And I ended up doing everything else afterwards. I was like, bummed through everything. Sleep once again. <laughs> Sleep once again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even even you, um, you know, I've been watching your journey and training and it's inspired me to like, start thinking about, you know, where are these triathlons? You know, how do I get, how do I start training and stuff for that? Like, I, I I never thought I would have considered anything that's endurance based because I've always been interested in something that's you know short sharp skill kind of. yeah yeah like and base. you know just watching your journey has been inspiring for me and other people that I've talked to here you know that know your you know know what you're doing you know so you might not think you've got huge effect but a lot of people are definitely inspired by what you're doing oh that's good to hear <laughs> my mother would be proud jesus she thought yeah, I was, she, she thought she it was would. a waster long ago <laughs> <laughs> you're sure <laughs> oh i'm sure that bitch <laughs> i'm joking i love her um no i don't know i don't know where i got the idea from i think it was an, you I, into it in no jeez, i fucking hate running i still hate running and i, I like sports, don't, I sports don't enjoy, yeah i'm just all skill based but i just I hated running. I hate, I don't particularly like swimming. Like it hurts my lungs and I'm like, no, I ain't about that life. And then like cycling is grand. You can get over it. But I don't know. I think it was just like during the, I think I was at uh, Ross Edgley, you know him. Yes, the, oh, I was telling someone about the, the Great British Swim. The Great British Swim. And I yeah. think he was, he, I listened to his podcast and he's an epic. Oh, I love him. Right. He's an yeah. epic man. I think he was doing like a, like a promo video from like his Great British Swim, and I was like, oh, "Fuck it, I'm I'm sick of doing these teams." But like, as in, I love still love football, and I still love them, and I'm still doing them. But I'm just like, I want something new. I was just like, something that's like I can do myself as well, because I've gone to the stage as well. Sometimes I just don't like playing with people I'm just <laughs> yeah I get I get that too a lot <laughs> yeah you're just like you can't like be bothered roaring out of someone just for the same shite ever all the time <laughs> yeah and yeah I, yeah and I was like at least if endurance events to me are, are crazy at the minute you know I, I look at people do I was like what are you thinking about that whole process 
Because for me, it's like give everything you have for such a short period of time. But when it comes to people doing like marathons, I, I honestly don't know how to do it. <laughs> I mean, obviously train, but <laughs> yeah, obviously train well, but it's it's, it's watching it without being involved in it. Yeah, they're crazy. Like I'm gonna, I'm training for a half marathon in December. So that was my, that's my aim. That's my mid-year goal. I'm gonna do my like, yeah, six. So I'm gonna do like the first of June. I'm gonna make like the next six months of goals because I think I've actually exceeded my goals already this year, which is actually class. I'm like, <laughs> so delighted. That's, that's crazy. Well done. Yeah, that's another thing that's more of that then. More of that. More of that. Yeah, that's another thing. You're gonna have to list. write new ones, darn. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's really good actually doing year yearly or mid by by yeah just goals. even half in the year and writing some yeah I think people obviously you know they kind of strive for huge goals that but that's unless you write it down and have kind of a you, you know with your triathlon you had a time where it was going to end so you can kind of you knew what you had to work towards and when that was you know needed to be implemented so yeah it's hard just to write something down a piece of paper and be like I'm gonna do that yeah that's that's the thing when I did write it down I was like okay first I actually have to find a a triathlon that's going I can't just say I'm gonna do a triathlon I have to see if there's actually one that I can do and like work towards and then the same as you like doing a bodybuilding show as in you know the date of this bodybuilding show so yeah, I have you know to, when you need to be ready for like yeah you need to be ready or let's say the, part. <laughs> that, that, that part of my life is actually I'm just like what <laughs> <laughs> something was going on up in the noggin that made you do it <laughs> it's, it's I, like I learned everyone. a lot from it it's like everyone, like it's it's, it's it's based it's based toward I like not not going towards you, but it's like based towards this low self-esteem in a sense, or like this low self-worth. And it's like when you get even when you're on your stage, stage ready, whatever that means, like even when you're ready to compete, you're not you're not satisfied with how you look. Yeah. And it's I, I don't know anyone who's ever been like felt great throughout that whole process either. And after it's just, you know, it's just disastrous for most people um, yeah. within that industry. You know, not everybody, not people enjoy it. People have like an okay mindset towards it, but yeah, yeah for most people that get involved in that, it's always to do with the whole uh, yeah. low self-esteem, like you said. Yeah. What part of your body did you like? It was fine, but you just struggled to get that bit of muscle or bit of definition. And what was your, one that you're all I would have I would have um packed on muscle relatively easy but I would have struggled with the getting like getting really lean and which is natural you know I'm a female I need to hold on to a certain level of body fat but I was kind of looking at other girls that I was competing against and oh she's leaner than me and I I, you know you start you get into that industry and you start seeing who you're competing against and you get into this wee bubble yeah um and you're just comparing yourself all the time but no, were you, uh, were you bikini what? or bodybuild? Fitness, fitness, fitness. Okay. Yeah. At least that I, was I, not as bad as I feel bikini models are like. Like very you. much just like yeah, you don't really need a lot of muscle for that. You just kind of have to get yourself super lean. Yeah. Um, That's not fun. Yeah, but no, getting like I, I enjoy going to the gym. I still do. I don't think it's ever not going to be a part of what I do. But yeah, I, I'm I'm wise enough now now to know that. I don't have to be extreme with this. <laughs> yeah. I, I started it because somebody, I remember when I was playing football, some, one of my coaches, I think we had these like feedback days and one of my coaches said that you need to work on your strength. And I took, instead of taking that as like going away and working on my strength for football, I took that as you're not strong enough. You, you need to get strong. Like, so I went full, you know, if you tell me I'm going to get strong, I'll show you how strong I can get. <laughs> like That kind I, of attitude. I think I had the exact same attitude. I had the exact fucking same attitude. I think was it, um, you you know, that it was that period in like 2014, 2015, everyone was getting into fitness. Like literally everyone and their, everyone and their mother was getting it going into this (laughs) gym. Literally, like I'm serious. I remember it myself because I would have been a leaving cert and like I would have been playing playing high enough basketball like with with, uh, my club in the county. And then I was like, oh yeah this gym stuff and I was like oh I like to look at this and like um because I've always been considered strong like and I was like well if, sure, like my mother always says she's like you soften your face when you go into the gym you so-? I'm just like 
fuck off i'm going in there for a purpose not to meet exactly yeah (laughs) yeah there's there's none of this like looking around who's there it's like i'm going hardcore like yeah and then it came to that stage where i got so strong like i actually had like a tricep i literally could see my triceps and i could see (laughs) like i had i had men coming up to me like saying they wish they had my quads and i was like fucking loving life but jesus christ i I couldn't run from a to b like i couldn't perform on the basketball yeah so that's like reflective of that and it's it's annoying because it was annoying that I didn't, or we didn't know at that stage that the fact that it would will have the the yeah uh, the impact, especially like mid season, as in mid season, you shouldn't even be doing those kind of exercises. You should be doing that in pre season to yeah. st- strengthen, yeah. and then you're doing hypertrophy, like, hypertrophy in the middle of a season. Like, are you fucking mad? Well, yeah, I'm actually- in a leg session with the game the next day. Why do I feel so sore? <laughs> you're there you're cramping up you're like jesus christ hello he's like jimmy you didn't make that run i was like i know i can't move my fucking you're puffing and panting as well and you're like oh i can't move oh Oh, there those are the days (laughs) but um yeah so Gemma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast um absolutely epic chat with you and um, I'm sure we'll be having, hopefully, we'll have more of chats now, probably when we're in a bar somewhere. <laughs> definitely, plenty of those. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And um, anyone that's uh, listening, guys, so please uh, give it a share and use the hashtag SSCPod. That's SSCPod. And if you can, uh, hashtag DirtyBallPod as well, because we can have a bit of chat about Gaelic as well, so... The Dirty Ball Pod is my new, uh, our new uh, GA podcast. So give that a hashtag as well, and use the the tag. So tag at Simply Sports Content Pod Podcast on your Instagram and any other social media you use. Uh, the podcast will be available on Spotify, uh, Apple Pod uh, Podcasts, and Google Podcasts uh, for the time being. We're trying to move more into other streaming sites, but um. That should cover most of it. Yeah, cool. But uh, yeah, thanks, Gemma. Cheers. Cheers, Glyph.